Proverbs 9, 8 says, rebuke a wise man and he will love you more. Yeah. Proverbs 12, 1 says, he who hates rebuke is stupid. <laughs> are you wise or are you stupid this morning? I ask that because I really do believe that the Lord has given me a rebuke, uh, and I don't like rebuking. It's, there, I don't think there's a scripture in the Bible that says, he who loves to give rebukes is blessed. <laughs> It's kind of not my deal, but um, I really do feel like I have some, uh, some rebuke because I love you, and I want you to love me more, and I want you to be wise and not stupid. So this is actually a, a repetitive uh, sermon. I did this two Thursdays ago. Is that right? You were last Thursday and Thursday before that. How many of you were there for that? Okay, good. Um, repetition builds mental pathways, so... This will be good. You'll relearn some things, and you'll get some things that you didn't get last time. Uh, I know there's a lot of new people in here, uh, and so that'll be good. If you are new, I apologize for your first time being here, me rebuking everybody. We're normally very encouraging. (laughs) But this is, no, this will be very encouraging and hysterical and awesome, and you'll love it, and you'll love me more. You'll actually want to take me out to lunch. Um... (laughs) But I think this is an important message not only for our body, but for everyone who wants to maximize their church experience. Because let's be honest, we really want a good church experience. You don't go to church and go, man, I hope it really sucks today. (laughs) Right? You didn't wake up this morning going, ah, a day I could sleep in, but I'm going to go dress up. You don't do that, right? You want to actually have a really good experience. So um, my final disclaimer before I actually get into this is that... uh, since teaching this two Thursdays ago, there's been a marked difference in our experience here. Um, and so that's not, way to go, Vince. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, this is already being applied, which is awesome. And so, like, even this morning, half of the things that I'm saying, I'm like, well, Jeremy did it in the announcement, so I don't need to teach that. Or it happened correctly in worship, so I don't need to do that. But I'm going to go through all this stuff anyway because I think it's things that we need to be reminded of. Is that okay? Good. Okay, how many of you call this, raise your hand if you call this your home church or you're thinking about it or you come here regularly, okay? Keep being honest. Who wants to be, uh, who wants to see the Lord fulfill his words over this house, over this, okay, good. Don't stop being honest now. Who feels like we're missing something? The rest of you are lying. Um, this is what we're missing. We're missing you. And storehouse without you is a store hose. Yeah. <laughs> it worked twice. Let's keep. Oh, you didn't get it last time? See? Repetition. It's helpful. <laughs> I had another one, but it just didn't work out as well. No, I'm not even going to try it. Um, my objective this morning is actually uh, to give you tips on how to maximize your church experience because we all want to be a church or in a church that transforms not only the city but transforms uh, what's going on in the spirit. We want to be known in the city as a church that has life on it, that, has, uh, that people are like, you need to go there, right? And uh, so we want to have impact. But how do we become a church that changes lives and changes the world? Well, I've got a few tips for you. Follow well. Uh, Step one uh, in following well is 
to be solution-oriented and not problem-oriented. One, one of the big problems that we have in general is that we can see problems, especially in a prophetic community. You're, that's kind of how the prophetic is natured, and you can read a book about this called The Five. It's out in the foyer, written by a very handsome young man. I think I did. Um, I think I did. Sometimes I read it and I go, did I write that? That's good. Um, <laughs> as a prophetic community, it's really easy to see a problem, but the true, uh, the true calling of a prophet and the prophetic ministry is actually to give a solution. And so if you, if you think that you, this is what I love, and by love I mean abhor. When people, when people are like, that person has such a spirit of discernment, and all they ever talk about is demons and principalities and dark things. And it's like, you're not discerning anything. You're just discerning a lack of light. Find the light switch, for crying out loud. Turn it on. That, that's the real prophetic. So, be solution-oriented. Your discernment actually carries the anointing to create the solution. If you see the darkness, the, there's a reason you see it. It's not so you can, like, point at it and be like, darky, darky, dark, dark. Like, your job is to not be like a candle in the candle box. You need to actually go into the darkness and shine. So, Isaiah 58 8 through 12, your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing, we need healing, will, will appear quickly. Wouldn't it be nice if we had quick healing instead of like laborious, praying nonstop, trying to get, did it, did it change at all? No. Okay, well, the Lord's going to do it tonight. Like, how many of you have done that one? I've done that one a lot. <laughs> then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. In other words, your like your lined up your lined upness righteousness with the Lord is going to fight in front of you and he's gonna make sure that your keister doesn't get blasted from behind. I think that's awesome. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. Thank you. And you will cry for help and he will say, Here I am. If you get all those things if you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing of the finger and malicious talk. That means talking about your leaders behind their backs, talking about how poorly they do things, la, 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 la. I had a friend who uh, I went to school with at Morningstar, and he would go on ministry trips with me when I was a leader, and he would be kind of like a, a sub-leader underneath, underneath me. And he confessed to me later, he said, Vince, I used to slander you so bad because I thought you were doing the worst job at everything you did. The funny thing is that the whole time that I was bringing him on those trips, including taking him internationally, to, to Europe and doing ministry trips with that, I was empowering him and I was setting him up so that he could actually take my position at Morningstar when I left. So then he took my position at Morningstar and he called me and he goes, okay, you do it really well. How do I do what you just did? Because <laughs> you don't know what it's like to, to be a leader until you have to lead. It's really hard. So we need to put away the point of the finger and malicious talk and if you spend yourself in, on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your, and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. Awesome. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land like Dallas until yesterday. <laughs> and will strengthen your frame. Not for pictures, but, you know, your frame. 
You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. That's kind of interesting. The first time I preached this, it was hot as crap. Hot as... It was hot. And now it's all rainy and, and it was like, it's like a well-watered garden. Come on, somebody. Uh, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. That's something that we are going to do. And we will raise up the age-old foundations. And we will be called repairers of the broken wall and restorers of the streets with dwellings. That sounds like a good promise that we want to walk in. But we have to stop pointing the finger, stop accusing, stop agreeing with the accuser towards our leaders and towards the people around us. So here's another way to help, uh, help us to follow well. Give the preacher a few amens. Amen. It is hard up here. If there's like, I think one of the funniest things that the Lord does is he will, he will say, what's, your, what's the problem in your soul? Oh, okay, let's put you in a profession where it like, really focuses on that. So he'll take really insecure people and he'll say, you're going to be a public speaker. And you're like, huh. I'm not sure you know how things work, Lord, because you're perfect and all. Not a good idea. I mean, you look at how he did with, with Paul and uh, Peter. I can't talk. And he, he, it's like he flips them, like, like, oh, you go to the Jews, you go to the Gentiles. And everybody else is going, Jesus, um, I know you are the embodiment of wisdom, let me give you a little bit of wisdom here. This guy knows Judaism real well. He could destroy them. Let's send him there. She's like, nope, I'm wiser than you. Anyways, it's hard to be up here. That's all I'm saying. Uh, tweet our good stuff. Inform your face. When somebody says something good, go, mm. or actually go like this. Mm. Don't go like this because then we're going to be like, oh, what am I doing wrong? Here's a, here's a real big one. Apply the sermon. That This is key because we can talk all we want and we can say all sorts of great things, but if you don't do what we're saying, then we're just saying things. It's just blah. It's boring. Come on, somebody. Acts, Acts 2.42 says that they were continuing. This is when the, the first mega revival happened. Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, they didn't have, like, a written-down set of apostles' teachings that are like, oh, I will devote myself to reading these every day. Done. Like, that's not how it worked. They would hear them teach, and they would go, okay, I'm going to apply that. That's how, that's how that revival happened. That's how it went from 120 to 3,000 in the church in a day. Tip number two. Do your part. If you see a gap, stand in it. If you, if you see that there's something that needs to happen, just do it. If you see that there's the bathroom is messy, don't go find Yaku. Go find a mop. They're in the back. It's okay. You can clean. Nobody's stopping you. If there's, if there's a ministry that, that you feel needs to uh, happen, if, say we're neglecting the poor or we, are, we have forgotten about the 34-year-olds and you want to minister specifically to the 34-year-olds, <laughs> feel free. Start 34 ministries. You know, like, I don't care. Stand in the gap. Do it. If you have a passion, pursue it. We desperately need, when I say we, I'm not saying 
we, the leaders of the church, we, the body, need you to take your passion and run with it. Just go after it. If you've got a passion, do it poorly, but do it. We need you to be fully you. Start something, support something, attend something, do something. Like, put action to your, your faith. Put, put, like, put your wheels on the road and go. If you, like I said, if you need to start a ministry or, like, you want to start an outreach, you want to start a, some kind of home group, that's fine. We'll help you. If you, let's say you have a real passion for missions, but you don't, you, you can't, like, leave your job and just go to the missions field. Guess what? We have missionaries. Support them. We've got two sitting on the, on the second row right now that need money to go to Guatemala. Give them money. Because the, those who support actually get the same reward as those who actually go. Can those two Guatemalan missionaries stand up and turn around so everybody can see who they need to give money to after church? Okay. Right there. Attend something. When there's a function here, just come. Even if you think it's a dumb function, come anyway. Maybe it's dumb because you're not coming. <laughs> just do something. But don't promote yourself. Let the Lord promote you into, into positions. If you're like, I, and I've had this. I had to deal with this guy. I was consulting with a church, and he was like, I am the prophet to this church. And I was like, really, how long have you been here? A month and a half. I'm like, you're wrong. Like, you don't have authority. And he's, he just kind of, I was like, you, you may have a prophetic gifting. You may be a prophet. You may be even right that you were called to be the prophet to this congregation, but you don't have authority. The Lord has to promote you into that place. And he has to do it through the leadership that he has set up. Serve and let the Lord put you in that place. The way that I started in ministry was cleaning toilets. Jesus said, if you want to become the greatest, you have to go the lowest. That's the way to do it. Clean some toilets. Do, some, do something that you really don't want to do because it's going to have an open door for you to get to where you're supposed to be. All right, here's the big one. Engage the Lord outside of church. Come with expectation. When you, when you come through those doors, you need to have an expectation of what the Lord's going to do. Because your expectation, our expectation, actually dictates our experience. Amen. Amen. I used this example last time. If uh, Let's say Kim Walker. I said, hey, Kim Walker's going to lead worship next Sunday. We would all be like, tell, tell your friends, tell your wife, because we're praising everybody up in here. Like... <laughs> We, you would come going, the Lord's going to show up, right? Why? Why is he going to show up? Because Kim Walker's anointed? Maybe. The real reason is because Kim Walker carries an expectation of the Lord coming. And you expect the Lord to come up, come up, come out, come down, come. You're expecting him, and your expectation actually brings and draws on him. In Job 2.25, 3.25, it says, What you fear will surely come upon you. The same is true of faith. 
what you have faith for will rush upon you. What, you are, what, you, what your expectation is will actually draw it into reality. That's why people who are hopeless remain hopeless because their, their life continues to have patterns because they're, they're actually pulling in the spirit. They're like making demands and pulling. Hopelessness is, is, like, a, is like tying onto a demon saying, hey, stalk me. You just got to break that and start expecting better things, and those things will actually track you down. When, when bad things happen to me, I go, man, there's got to be something good on the other side of this. For real. Because if, otherwise, my other option is get hopeless and go, yep, here comes another one. <laughs> oh, bother. Thank you. So engage the Lord outside of church. Come with expectation. Come through those doors going, God, I don't care if anybody else experiences God. I'm experiencing him. I don't care if the worship is off-key, off-beat, and in Mongolian. I am going to experience God. We actually led a team to Mongolia uh, in 2008, 2009, and uh, they were like, what, what are we going to do? Let's, do? let's do something kind of crazy. And I said, let's go to, like, the worship center, the Buddhist worship center. Let's just worship outside of it. And they're like, oh, but it'll be so dark out there, like the spiritual atmosphere. I was like, candles aren't afraid of darkness. And so we went. It was awesome. We're just like, there's literally, I'm talking a 100-foot Buddha statue, and we're just like, yeah, like play it. And it was so great because our expectation wasn't, wasn't darkness. It was light. So come with expectation, but come with understanding also. Ask the Lord what's going to happen. Don't come through that door like going, well, I wonder what's going to happen today. It better be a good sermon or oof, I'm out of here. Come knowing what's going to happen. Come with, come with some words of knowledge for healing. Come, did you know that you can actually hear the voice of the Lord? It's not just the people who get to hold a microphone that can hear the voice of the Lord. You can too. You have an ex- the Lord has an expectation on you to access him and bring your part here. So come with understanding. But come with your peace also. Not your peace, but your peace to give, your contribution. The purpose of, of a weekly gathering is to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Not just what he's done overall. Worship is, is about that. We, we, Jesus, thank you so much that you, that you saved us from our sins. Thank you that you are empowering us daily, that we're becoming incredible superheroes that are taking over the world. We're going to hand it over to you at the end of the age. Awesome. But it's also uh, not just what he's done generally, but what he's done recently. Have, have testimonies. Come, come to church with, like, burning with a testimony. Like, this week I... Da, 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 with the Lord. I heard this from the Lord. What if, what if one Sunday we came in here and we said, what's the Lord done in your life? And just waited. And that's all we did. We just waited for people to actually talk about what the Lord did. What if that was your time to release faith to people for things? You have things inside of you. The Lord does things with you throughout the week that we need to know about. Not just from up here, in the cafe, uh, after church, 
all those kinds of things. Share. Have, have a life in God outside of church. Or be a Pharisee. Those are your options. Have a good day. <laughs> we have got to get away from the idea that we come to church to get something. And we have to embrace the reality that we have come to church to give something. Give, give worship to the Lord. Give power to people who need healing. Give prophetic words to people. To give encouragement. Like, let's just put the prophetic aside. Just tell people they look good in the shirt they've got. Come on, somebody. No, stop. I, when I was in college, I, I grew up in a, a prophetic family. My mom was always prophesying every Sunday. Um, and so I was really accustomed to the prophetic, but I didn't really walk in it, like walk in it for real, until I went to college at a Baptist college. And I said, Lord, I, I really want to get uh, good at this. And I read First uh, Corinthians 14.3, and it said that prophecy was for encouragement. I said, well, that's easy. So I just made it my, my pattern to tell people that they looked good in that color and they, that their hair looked sweet that day and whatever. Like find something to compliment somebody about. And I actually cracked open the prophetic in my life. It was really cool to watch because on a, on a Baptist Bible college campus, I had people like asking for what the Lord is doing in their life. Just because I would be nice to them and say nice things about them. All right, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul kind of gives these uh, instructions of what's, what, is, what is it supposed to look like at, at church when you gather together? What is it supposed to look like? Let me turn in my iPad. I forgot my analog Bible today. First Corinthians 14, 26. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. And let all things be done for edification. So who's supposed to bring revelation? The preacher. Wait. Each. Now, the, the Greek word here for each means each. Each one is to access an actual piece of what God is doing in the service. Your job is to bring your peace. And if you don't do it, then we are deprived of what you have. And so you can either complain about the fact that you're, you're not being promoted and utilized and have something and be like, I have it, my precious, but they don't appreciate it. Or you can actually just encourage people and just give it. Give it to the wrong person. I don't care. Just give it out. Sometimes you'll say something to one person and, and they'll just, doesn't land. But then they'll talk to somebody else and like, ooh, they were saying that you need to talk to this person because we're a body. Verse 30 of First uh, Corinthians 14 says, but... If a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. So let's say we're getting something good and maybe we'll do a service. I mean, maybe this will happen in a church at some point. 
But how cool would it be if, if someone was like, oh, man, the Lord's talking to me about that. Cool. Come share. I mean, if, if you are in relationship with us, we'll trust you. I used to do this with my interns at Morningstar. Uh, we would go on ministry trips, and I would tell them, sit on the front row. If you get anything in the middle of my sermon, stand up and sit, or stand up and stand next to me, and I'll hand you the microphone as soon as it's a good place for, for me to transition into you. Because I knew that if I can apply this scripture, then the power that was released in the Corinthian church could be released in my life. We have an overseer for a reason uh, so that they can actually kind of direct what the Lord's doing. You know, at the end of worship, we could have just been like, bring, amen, let's take up an offering, give your money, or else, Vince, come talk. Or Jeremy could, could stand up there and be like, everybody, lift your voice. And then, oh my gosh, we actually encountered something on an even higher level than Cat had already created. Right? That's what an overseer is for. Not just for worship time, but for the whole thing. And the person who, who, who is the overseer, just so you know, is the person who opens up prayer at the beginning of service. So the problem is that you don't come early enough to know who's overseeing. Just saying. The new people were here on time. Verse 33 We'll let that land however it wants to. <laughs> Verse 33 of chapter 14. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, and is uh, as is in the, all the churches. And verse 40, skip down seven verses. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. That's the overseer's job, to make sure everything is flowing. They're the director of, they're the, yeah, they're the director. They're making sure everything goes in the right direction. Corporate church meetings are supposed to be as much about being an experiment as they are about an experience got to be true because it's an alliteration okay (laughs) thanks you when you come it's all just we're trying to make gumbo here god gumbo throw your stuff in let's see how it turns out if we need more salt tracy always has enough salt And tell us early. Don't, don't wait until, like, all right, we're going to take up the offering. Um, Mr. Overseer, I have a, a word of knowledge, and we need to go back into worship. Why didn't you tell me that 30 minutes ago? You just need to be bold. Sometimes we, we'll say that's not going to happen, and you're just going to have to go, okay, and just trust us. All right, let's talk about a really important one. Worship. Worship leaders are directors. They are not tugboats. All the worship leaders in here are like, come home. Because <laughs> that's how it feels sometimes. When worship is going on, sing. Move. Move a lot. Move, move it all, but just don't do this. I doubt that will ever be seen in heaven. (laughs) Engage. Pull on the anointing. If they're not anointed, make them anointed. 
pull it out of them. I give him a, come on, in the middle of worship. Chuck had just come in, and he's standing in the back right where Val is right now, and he goes, yeah! And then somebody over here was like, yeah! And someone was like, yeah! Like, oh, finally. Like, and there was breakthrough. Sometimes all it takes is just a, one little, yeah! Like, you don't even have to mean it. But if you know you, that, that it's needed in the room, just do it. If worship is boring, make it not boring. It's not the worship leader's job to entertain you. It's not the worship leader's job to usher you into the presence of God. You are supposed to be carrying God's presence. You are not supposed to be like, all right, I don't like that song. That song is not from this decade even. And it's not even not from this decade in the good way. It's not in, from this decade in a six years ago, really? 2008? You got to go at least to 2002 before it's anointed. It doesn't work like that. Find your own presence, for crying out loud. Make it. Worship isn't the appetizer for the message either. We don't do long worship because we really have really bad preachers, and so we need long worship to really grease us up so that you guys are, like, fooled into thinking, oh, this is a good sermon. I'm feeling God because worship happens so well. That's not what worship is for. And we're like, woo, that's good worship. I don't know what you're saying, but that's good. Like, that's not what worship is for. If you don't know the song that, that's being sung, just, just sing something. Sing watermelon over and over and over again. Find your favorite word and just repeat it. Do something. Just hum or sing in the spirit, hum in the spirit, whistle in the spirit. I don't care what you do. Do something that makes noise. The Bible doesn't say make a, make a beautiful noise to the Lord. He says just make a joyful noise to the Lord. Just make sound. Just... Jesus, like just let it out. If you're worshiping and you know it, tell your face. There's, there's the good one. Jesus is really good. He's not really good like this. He's really good like this. Like he is so good. Inform your face because these guys are, they're up there going, I hope they're getting this because I think this is really good and Jesus is really worthy. And you're and they're going, 2008 song, really? I do too. I do too. Great worship that came out then. The best worship that I have ever experienced is when like we had today where the, the crowd kind of takes over and the people up here just have to support what's going on. Because that's, that's their job. Who are the worshipers in this room? They're the ones closest to these chairs. They're not, they're not the ones up here. These are the directors. These are the ones that are helping you. They're, they're serving you by doing this. So serve them back. Make it easy for them. Just sing, 
I mean, even if you're a bad singer, just sing something loud and... <laughs> I love to practice my bad uh, harmonizing during worship. That's generally why I stand close to the speaker so that most people can't hear me. And I'll go in the back. I'm like, ooh, I can't practice back here. <laughs> Do something. Just engage with it. If you're, if you're going to, if you need to, like, have that moment of, like, oh, I just need to receive from the Lord, take a posture on the floor. Like, but don't sit down and look bored. Because it actually commu- it communicates things to other people. And, and they'll follow. On the other side, if you engage really big and you're, you're dancing around, you're having fun, even if you're not actually having fun, but you're just kind of like, I'm going to do this until I feel it. Like, it's fine. Just do it because it'll bring other people in. But the most important thing, um, oh, before I get to that, support the worship leader. It's hard to be a worship leader. Satan fell because it's hard to be a worship leader. Satan was the worship, he was, he was called the covering cherubim. He was the one that would orchestrate the worship of the Lord in his presence. And then he saw that Jesus was, a, was going to be incarnated, and he saw how he became a man, and he started to judge it instead of worship it. And as a result of that, he fell. Because it's hard to be up there. It's hard to lead people in worship. You see a lot of things that you don't want to see. Most important thing is focus on God. What's he doing? Where is he going? Where's where's the river? Like find something. Like search it out. There's times that I will actually walk around the room. A lot of us do this and we're kind of like, "Oh, where's I'm just not feeling it over here. Oh, I'm really feeling it over here." That's fine. Find find what he's doing. Maybe he's in dancing. Maybe you hate dancing. Do it anyway. Try it. Uh, there was one service we had. It was really cool. Uh, I was right here. Jake Dreyer was uh, here. Jer- he was here. Jeremy was there. Um, if you don't know Jake, he's one of our friends. He's awesome. And Jake got on his face. No, he got on his knees. Uh, and he was worshiping the Lord. And I wasn't really feeling worship. But I was like, that looks kind of good. I was like, ooh, that feels really good. And I started to really feel it. And I got all the way down here. I was like, wow, this is really good. Oh, my gosh, this is really good. And then Jeremy's over here, and he goes, oh, that looks really good. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's really good. Oh, yeah. That's the Lord. Definitely. Mm -hmm. If you if you know if you see somebody doing something and you're like wow they're really enjoying themselves don't judge them join them <laughs> Nobody wants to be like a sourpuss Christian nobody's going to follow us because we're like the most serious church in the city They're going to follow us into what God is doing because we're having more fun we're having more favor and we and we don't complain a lot we just enjoy, like, we, we've all been through high school. Do you remember the, the group that was always having fun and then the ones that were judging them? I, I pointed at Matthew. I didn't mean to point at Matthew. <laughs> <Over here. laughs> and the ones who were judging them, 
Do you know that? <laughs> Don't be the judges. Just have fun. And then if you're having fun, go over to the judges and say, hey, let's have fun together. And they'll be like, hey, okay. <laughs> One of the things that I, I like to do is uh, use my hands in worship, put my hands in the air. Joy does this cool thing where she like swirls the atmosphere. And, <laughs> like <laughs> when, and it, there, there's power, just like there was power hidden in Jesus's hands, there's power in your hands. You can sweep things off of people. You can pull things out of the, the spirit. You have power to change things, but you don't have power to change things if your hands are in your pockets. If you need to change something in yourself, just put your hand and just like change, change me. Jeremy does this cool thing where he goes like this when he's trying to pull the anointing down. Anybody ever seen him do that? I love that. The key is we need to become students of the anointing, not critics of the music. We, like it's not about the music. Worship isn't about the music. Music helps us because we, like our soul gets, well, how did you put it? Unlocked by music. But it's about the anointing. It's about finding the presence of God and embra- like embracing it and just yanking it down and tearing it to shreds and eating it. That's what it's about. You can quote me on that. It's a, it's a weird quote to quote me on. All right, here's another way that we can maximize our church experience. Invest. Invest. Let's go back to Acts 2, 42 and following. That's X4, Vince. Jeez. Is everybody there? 242. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, fellowship there, the word was used in, a, in medical terms for Siamese twins who were connected and they actually shared the same blood. So if one of them got sick, like let's say... Chuck and I are Siamese twins, and I get cut on my shoulder, I get an infection, Chuck gets sick too. That's what fellowship is. When we have fellowship with each other, it's not we have uh, subpar food out there that didn't cost too much because not everybody's tithing, but... It's, it's, it's not us hanging out and, and having fun together. Fellowship is you, you get an infection, I hurt. You have a victory, I win. I have a victory, you're blessed. That's fellowship. And tithe. Uh, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Aww. Many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had who had believed who had believed who had believed who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began even selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone had need. So invest. Give your money. Notice that in Acts 2, it doesn't say that everyone was faithfully tithing. 
It says that they were giving their money. They were, they were like, how can I give more? I can sell these shoes. I can sell my property. And I can give things away. A thriving community actually looks for ways to create more wealth so that those who don't have the, the ability to generate that wealth can benefit from the entire body having that wealth. If you're a businessman or woman, sorry, not oppressing women here. If you are a business person, you, you are very important. Not just because of the money that you generate, but because you actually carry an anointing to support those who are supposed to be on the missions field, who are supposed to be doing ministry, who are supposed to be blah, 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 blah. In, in uh, Samuel, it says that, that those who stayed with the luggage, even though those guys were afraid. Do you know the reason the people who stayed in that battle, some of them went out and, f- and fought, the ones that stayed back with the, with the baggage and like watched the camp, they were afraid of fighting. They didn't have faith to go fight for the Lord and his people. But David said, and David fought for his people saying, no, they did some good stuff. They kept the, they kept the tents from flying away. Who would be watching your tents? It was a pretty intense moment. <sighs> Sorry, I apologize. All right, so give your money. Give your stuff. If you don't need it, find someone who does. If you hear of a need, fill it. This is one of the best ways to be a part of a body. Talk about your needs. Talk about what you have extra. If, if you know you have something that, that could go to somebody, find a way to get it to them. Cars. Just buy lots of cars. And start giving them away. <laughs> Give your time. Come to events. When we have an event, come to it. Support it. Come to services consistently. Come to services early. Come on. When, uh, when I was teaching uh, missionary students at Morningstar, we would do what was called spiritual fitness, and we would give them different assignments on how to like, encounter the Lord more, how to go deeper in the anointing. And so what we would actually do is we'd say, uh, we have a service tonight, we have uh, Friday night, um, what do we call them? School of Spirit, SOS. School of Spirit services. And uh, we'd say, okay, come uh, half an hour early, 45 minutes early, and just sit in the, in the seat. Just sit there. Don't, don't shock a bondos everything. Just sit there and leak. Feel the presence of what the Lord is about to do, and let the presence of what you have come out. And those services that students did that, not only did those students experience the Lord more in those services, but the service as a whole skyrocketed. Because the, the anointing was being cultivated even before. When they're practicing up here, just enjoy, just sit there and enjoy. Because even though it sounds like worship, they're just practicing. It, it still sounds like worship to you. That's fine. And you can encounter the Lord let it out. It's awesome. But don't think that that's what prepares everything in here. What prepares that is your heart being connected to the Lord and bringing that connection in. Thank you. I offended Chuck. 
Here's the last uh, set of tips for you. Pursue deep, vibrant friendships. Be vulnerable and be a mess when you need to be. This is, this is not a place for you to come and have everything all together. That's not your job. Your job is to be you. If you're a mess, be a mess. When, uh, when Paul was having this salvation experience with the Lord, he actually, the Lord says to him, he doesn't say, my strength is perfected in your weakness. If you look at it, he actually says, strength is perfected in weakness. He's giving a, a, a overarching principle. Yes, our weakness is, uh, makes room for his strength. But the principle is there regardless of if it's the Lord or if it's you. Don't hide your mess. Don't, don't try to cover up, cover yourself. Let us cover you. There are people who need you to be weak so that they can be strong. There, uh, there was a, a moment, this is probably about six or eight months ago, where uh, Crystal Schmeller uh, sat next to me in the back there. And uh, I'm not going to sit on your lap again, Bob. Though that was awesome. Um, and I was having... I was having one of those weeks, which we all have, where you're like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Does anybody get those? Like, I'm done, done, done. Because everybody's like, here, can you juggle this ball? And you're like, yeah, I can juggle one ball. And they're like, okay, can you juggle this ball too? And this mace and this porcupine. And let's set everything on fire. And let's turn a chainsaw on and throw it in there. And I'm going to tickle you at the same time. And you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> That's how I felt. And so I came in, and instead of coming up to my normal two spots that I worship in, I was like, I'm done. So I just sat back there, and I just went, Bleh. And I was just a mess. I mean, I just cried. I don't even know who came and put their hand on me, but they would come, and they were just like, hey. And I was like, nope. Not going to happen. I'm not even acknowledging you. And they're like, okay. <laughs> not going there. And people would kind of like try to like engage with me. And I'm just like, no, it's, this is not happening. And I'm just crying. Crystal comes over. She sits next to me. And she just starts crying with me. She's probably crying about something completely different. But for me, it felt like she was crying with me. Like she, and, you know, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. I felt in that moment that I could be a complete mess and be, be accepted. It was awesome. On the other side of that, be strong and encouraging when others need you to be. Paul said to the Galatians that there's one law of Christ to bear each other's burdens. The, the one thing that, that Jesus says, that, that his, his law, the law of Christ, the law of the anointing, is, because the word Christ means anointed, is to bear each other's burdens. You want more of the anointing? Find somebody who can't carry their, their burden and just grab it from them. Take it on for yourself. When someone is hurting, we hurt with them. But like I said before, if you have a victory, I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to be so excited for you because that means I'm getting a victory too. That means that there's an anointing coming into our, our congregation that is saying, Victory happens here. And if we rejoice in it and we celebrate it, it actually increases. We must be rightly connected to the body. This means life groups. 
get in one, start one, fake one, do one. But get rightly connected. Get connected with somebody. Do random acts of kindness for people. Take people out for dinner when it's not their birthday. It is Matthew's birthday on Tuesday. And his best, his, would you like to tell everybody how you'd like to receive gifts and things? Okay, they'll read the Facebook post. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and then he'll like it. Matthew, you're the funniest person in the world. He'll post something and then like his own post. And I'm like, it's like cheating, isn't it? It's like, oh, somebody already liked this. I'll like it too. It was Matthew who liked it. That's Facebook cheating. <laughs> if I could like it multiple times, I would. Our solutions are normally actually locked up in the people around us. Uh, and, like, you need me. You need Matthew. You need the person that you have no idea who their name is who's sitting three rows behind you and to the left. Whoa. I did my right, but your left. That was good. That was anointing. Find a way to, to make other people's lives easier. Am I going over? Oh, yeah, I'm going really long. Well, that's my last point anyway. I'm going to take a long time to do it. Um, here's, here's, the last, here's my last point. Reject rejection. If you feel like people don't like you, you're wrong. People like you. You're handsome. You dress well. You don't have bad breath. Like... You are good, and you're, you're worthy of being loved. Just reject that rejection thing, because the spirit that is trying to get you to feel rejected is rejected, and it wants you to feel it with it. So just stop agreeing with a demon. Or be miserable. The people who hurt you really do not know that they're hurting you. If somebody has actually, like, wounded you, chances are they have no idea. And they definitely weren't trying to. So let go of offense. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. Just let it go. Be connected to the body. Love. Give people the benefit of the doubt. All right. Stand up and I'll pray. God, help us to be the awesomest church that we possibly can be. And if possible, the best one in Dallas and the best one in the world. Amen. <laughs>